Again, glad you guys are here. Um, so we were just mentioning multiplication. All of these tables up here are an expression of multiplication. These guys have all been actively engaging in what the Lord has put on their heart for, um, for a while now. And we also have another expression of multiplication tonight. Uh, we, David Scott, uh, our student pastor, is launching out to plant a church. And we're super excited about that, something we've been praying for for 10 or 11 years, which is how long we've been around. And uh, it's something that we've, we've wanted to do, and we haven't had the right church planter, and now we do. He's been officially approved by our network. You may not know, we're part of a network. These are the churches in our network, Riverstone, Stonebridge, River City. Riverstone's in West Cobb, River City's in Smyrna, Vintage is in Paulding, Arise is in kind of around Kennesaw State, and Sojourn's in East Cobb. Uh, that's our network. We're called the Transformation Network. We're relational. Every church is independent. There's no governmental oversight, but we're all committed to the same thing. We all want to see our communities transformed by God, and we're all committed to this strategy of multiplication, Uh, multiplication like you've seen here, and multiplication in terms of church planting. Uh, And David has been approved by our network as a church planting candidate, so he's going to... He's been pulling together a leadership team, and I've asked him to come and share some of his calling story, how he came to realize God has called him to church plant, and his understanding of what God has, um, how God is shaping this church in his heart and in the hearts of his leadership team. So, David, if you'd come, I don't know where you are, right here in front of me. So, y'all clap for him. (laughs) It's early. Part of my crack team spilled water all over my notes, so we'll see how this goes. Um, It's it's a dubious beginning. Uh, So yeah, I'm David Scott. Um, If I don't know you, um, I'm the student ministry pastor here at Stonebridge. Um, I've been doing that for almost seven years. Uh, Eight years ago, my wife, Jane, that's my wife, uh, and I were working at a United Methodist Church in Duluth, Georgia, and um, we had been there six months, and I got an email Uh, from Daniel White, who goes to church here. Uh, Daniel and I went to college together, and he said, hey, Stonebridge is looking for a student ministry pastor. Um, I don't know if you're interested. You're probably happy where you are, but I just thought of you, um, so I wanted to email you. And he was right. I was not interested. I was happy um, exactly where I was, and we had just moved six months ago. And if you've ever made a big move, they're not fun to make, and you don't want to do it every six months. But I went home that night, and uh, I didn't say anything to Jane about the email, but I just asked her. I said, are you happy where we are? She said, yeah. I said, would you want to move again right now? And she said emphatically, no. And so I said, um, I I said, is there any job um, that you would want me to listen to if they called? And she said, Stonebridge. Um, We had relationships here. We had people here. We'd never really talked about being here, but we both really loved what we knew was going on at Stonebridge. So, um, so I took the call. Uh, so I met with David, we talked, we went through an interview process over the next six months. It was, a, it, it, at the time, it was a super difficult decision uh, for our family, kind of the life we were making where we were. It was a great job. But ultimately, what I felt like God was saying in that moment was we could stay for a job or we could leave uh, for a life. And, uh, and, and so we left. Uh, we moved to Marietta, and we came to Stonebridge, and immediately I remember worshiping the first week in this room and feeling like I was home 
in a way that maybe I'd never, and I'm not trying to be effusive, but in a way that maybe I'd never felt like um, I was home. Um, home with the Lord, home with the people here. Um, and, it, and, and that feeling has not changed um, over the past six plus years. Uh, and so um, about, about maybe five years ago, though, um, I was on my way to work one day and I was praying and I had for me um, what I would call kind of one of those top five moments of feeling like you heard the Lord's voice. You know, there are times every day where you kind of try to sense and discern what God's saying and different things in your life, but then there are moments. And for whatever reason, this was a moment for me. I was walking into work and just talking to the Lord about life, and I felt like he said, I want you ready to plant a church by the time that you're 40. And it was a simple sentence, and it felt like a direct sentence and a declarative sentence. And so I said, hmm, okay. Because uh, there was a lot of baggage in churches. You need better churches. Um, and I felt like I was at a really good church, and I didn't think I could do Stonebridge better than David for sure. And so I thought, why would you leave that? Um, and then I thought, like, why me? Uh, I like a job they like in a place they like with a boss they like with a steady paycheck unless they're insane, right, or listening to the Lord ultimately. There was, there was, a, lot of, there was a lot of wrestling um, that happened over over a five-year period, I know why God told me when I was 35, because he knew it was going to take me five. a lot of wrestling. Uh, I went through a seminary program, uh, trying to be obedient, and throughout the seminary program would tell my class, I'm, I'm just trying to be obedient to the Lord. Um, there were times when I would come to David or to Jane or to God, and I would say, um, um, I felt like the Lord said, that's not what I asked you to do. Uh, and, and so there were a lot of memory uh, of this past year, or of this year, in January 2018, uh, for me, 39 now. Um, so I knew that it, at some point I was, and, and then another part of it was uh, Jane and I finally started to have some pretty serious conversations about, and so I knew that that probably would change. Uh, and then early, late spring or early summer, and we said, okay, what is this? What did you do? What are we talking about here? And I remember pretty much done in my mind. I feel big at the time that I knew what would be on in that process, uh, sort of make some of that, here's the ideas, uh, networking, and so you and that ended up being what I would call um, first uh, our, our mission statement, which is the next slide. I think um, it, it's collected in this mission statement, and then I think it's unpacked in some core values that I'm going to tell you. So you guys can see the mission statement. The mission is to see our community transformed. All of the network churches want to see the community transformed. But for us, it's to see our community transformed through equipping people to live in healthy and generous relationships with God themselves and their community. Um, and, and for me, that is the summation. That's kind of the, the paragraph of, of four values that have been in my heart for a long time and that I see is, is playing out as we as a team plant this church. The first is relational discipleship. Um, and if you've talked to me for any amount of time, if you work for me any amount of time, if you talk to any of our students, they'll say relational discipleship. They'll say is what I'm passionate about. It was the reason that I came to Stonebridge was David and I sat down, um, or at least on my end, it was the reason that I came is that David and I sat down and we said, he, he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to build a student ministry around relational discipleship. He said, cool, do that. And um, so that was, that was a big move for me. And for me, relational discipleship um, is not a program and it's not a system. I know that for some people it is, so, so, and that's fine, but I just want to clarify that. For me, what relation, relational discipleship means is when we sit down with each other, either around tables or just across one-on-one, -on -one, and we listen to God and we listen to each other and we say what we hear, if that makes sense. 
We, we share what we're hearing from other people with God. We share what we feel like God's saying to us with other people. Relational discipleship is the way that I believe transformation really happens most in an individual's lives. There's a lot of ways to get there. There's a lot of things you can go to to find the types of relationships that will be discipling for you. But it's a core value of my heart. And I believe it's going to be a core value for the church. I didn't tell you guys the name. I buried the lead, and it's just sitting up there. I'm so sorry. This is my first time. So Wednesday's going to get it. It's for real. And we'll probably record that one, and you guys can listen back if you didn't like this. Uh, so the name of the church is Highlands. I'm not going to tell you all the bust names, all right? I'll wait a few years on that one. But um, there were some. There were some good ones. Uh, it's hard to name things. Uh, but uh, the name of our church uh, is Highlands, and um, I'll, I'll kind of share why with you uh, in, in a couple of minutes as I, as I delve into these values. But yeah, so, so if Highlands has a program, I want it to be relational discipleship. And I say program in quotation marks because that's what I want us to equip our people to do in terms of engaging uh, every relationship purposefully to encourage growth and to also grow at the same time. And I hope that that's going to drive a lot of the context of the church. Uh, the second value for me is family of God. That's, that's the second thing that you'll hear. It might be the first thing that you'll hear students talk about if you hang out in our ministry at all. If you go down the street, uh, there are three big letters up in the student ministry area, S-Y-F, and those stand for Stone Youth Fam. They don't stand for Stonebridge Youth Fellowship or any of the other things that you might think they do. They stand for Stone Youth Fam. Um, and if we have a brand, that's what it is. Uh, and, and that happened, not because it was trendy, but it happened um, because years and years and years ago when I was actually working in campus ministry, uh, before I worked in a church, I worked in campus ministry, um, I was reading through the scriptures and I saw this consistent uh, language that was used in the New Testament to describe the people of God, and that's the language of family. It's not, it's not the language of working together. It's not even the language of community. It's the language of family. Um, you hear God's our father. Jesus is the son. We're brothers and sisters. Jesus is our brother. We are sons and daughters. Uh, this is the driving language around the relationship of the church in the New Testament. And I see that real type of relationship as a primary example for how those in the body of Christ are supposed to be able to interact with each other. One of the most difficult things that happened to me in student ministry is that we would put our students in a room together and the assumption was that to be Christians to each other and to be the church with each other was to always be friends with each other. Here's the problem. You can't be friends with everybody. I remember my wife told me years ago when I tried to pick her friends, you can't pick my friends. And she was right, I can't. And, and you, you, friendship is born of discovery and of affinity. And that's just something that you happen upon. But family's different. You wish you could pick your family for yourself, don't you? Sometimes, right? But you can't, right? Family, you're connected because you got the same dad or you got the same mom. And, and that's the way it is. And, and, and Proverbs says uh, that a friend loves at all times, which is great because you have affinity with a friend. But a brother is born for adversity. And, and I believe that that's the idea behind the church is family for each other. And I've tried to teach our students that. Like, we're not always going to be friends. And you're not all going to get along. You're not all going to think alike or talk alike. But what you can be is people who say, I am here for you when you're in trouble. And you are not going to fall below the floor. You're not going to drop below a line that you can't recover from because you have family. You have family that cares about you. And not just earthly family. You have family that cares about you in an eternal way. So that's what I mean when I say family of God. And it's my hope um, to help people build their understanding of church relationships around that idea. 
the third value, I call it, I, I don't love this name, if I'm honest with you, and so we'll see. It could be a work in progress, but I call it City on a Hill, but really it's the entire passage where Jesus talks about being the light of the world, the city on a hill, and the salt of the earth. My worry about city on a hill is it seems like it's standing off just too much. What I love about city on a hill is that I think what Jesus is communicating is that the people of God should be something that the world can look at, especially in its darkest times, and say, there's something good. There is light. I may not know or care about God. I may not know or care about Jesus, but there is something out there in our community, and I want that. I want that, the way they interact that's different than the world, the way they love, the way they shape their own relationships. I want that. And that was a value that I actually, I think it was inside of me, but it was, a, it was an exercise that Davis had, David had us do as a staff um, that, that really pulled that out to me. And it was, for me, one of those critical moments along the way when I realized that that was in me and that that could be the type of church and, and the people um, and the, that, that I got to lead in a community, that I got to build something like that in a community and be a part of it um, was incredibly encouraging and incredibly attractive. And uh, Highlands is, is kind of a take on that. Um, it's actually, we were driving our two kids home before they knew about any of this. And we asked them one night, we said, hey, if you guys were going to name a church, what would you name it? And our daughter, Emma, said, Highland. And we added the S later, thanks to Russell. Where's Russell? Russell was the believer in the S, um, which we liked. Um, and our son, Will, said, cash the bridge to life. So he didn't make the cut. Um, so we don't know why. He said, hey, I like cash. And so, um, so that's what he went with. So, so maybe you're glad I'm not going to be leading your kids as much anymore because of what I've done with mine. Um, but uh, so Highlands, Highlands for me um, is a bit of a take on the idea of being the city on a hill, being a, being a highland, but also helping other people find how they can step into higher uh, lands in terms of how they interact with their community and with God and with the world around them. And then finally, um, the fourth value is transformed by the Spirit. And this is actually something that came to me later uh, in the process as I realized um, that all of these other things are good, um, but it's only the Holy Spirit who's going to actually do anything with these right? Without him, um, they're, they're empty vessels um, and they're jars without the sustenance that people need to survive. So um, at Highlands, we believe that's the Holy Spirit who transforms hearts and lives. And so we will root our mission in prayer and in the power of God and not in human strategies. So those are the values um, that are, that are going to drive us. Um, another thing I want to say that was, was an issue for me was that I I didn't feel called to leave Marietta, um, and that was kind of a big deal for me um, because I thought, that's weird. Most people, when they're called to plant a church, are going to go somewhere, um, and that's what most of the church plants in the network have, had done, and so that was kind of a, that was a barrier for me. I said, God, you need to mean, you need to, I need to know where I'm being called, um, and, and, and then God sort of brought up something that, again, was in my heart, but I'd never noticed as an answer Um, to that question, and that's this. Um, For all of my Christian life, I didn't become a Christian until right before I went to college, but for all of my Christian life, I have loved the church. I've loved it. I've worked in it for most of my Christian life, and I've loved it. I love the people of God. 
on the hill, and, and I believe it. I love the bride of Christ. And I actually love church. I love being at Stonebridge. I love church done right. I love worshiping. I don't leave during the songs. I love listening to preaching. I, I love all of it, and I dig it, and, and I get it. Um, but I also really, really love hanging out with people who hate church. Like, I, I love it. I have all my life, my, my three best friends from high school who are texting me probably terrible things right now, so I had to leave my phone over there. Um, they, they aren't believers, um, but they are some of my best friends in the world, and I love spending time with them. Um, I've always enjoyed it. I worked on college campuses and loved it. I, I, I think almost all middle schoolers and high schoolers are stuck somewhere between believer and trying to figure it out, and I think that's probably what I like about some of that and spending time with them, and I've always felt comfortable, and I've never felt weird about it, and I've always been able to adjust, and so I've always kind of felt like I was stuck um, between two worlds, right? I wasn't enough of this, and I wasn't enough of that. Um, and through praying uh, through this process, God, God showed me something. He showed me that actually, like, he, he's wired me that way, and, and that if he's, ask, if he's calling me to know what it means to plant a church, then it's planting a church that works between those two worlds. And so um, for Highlands, what that's going to look like is that there are, are going to, there. well, let me back up a little bit. Let me tell you guys. I don't want to do this, Jen. Do I want to talk about the small group now or do I want to wait? Now? All right, cool. So, uh, so that's Jen and Tim Willis. Y'all wave or something. It's Tim, what's up? And uh, Jane and I, Jen and Tim lead a small group uh, in our community at their house. Um, and a few years ago, maybe three, maybe now, um, they asked Jane and I if we wanted to come help lead it with them. Um, it was growing. It was changing. There were a lot of dynamics there, and there was just some things they had some questions about and things they thought we could bring perspective on and things they thought we could bring to the table, and they asked us uh, to help lead the group. And we came into that group, and it has been the most interesting group that I've ever been a part of, you guys. It is a mixture. Um, it, it might even be like 50-50 people who would say, I believe in God, and people who would say, I wouldn't. Um, and of the people who would say, I believe in God, most of them, like, either they hate church or, or they just don't find it very compelling, um, to be honest with you. Um, I, I would sit in our group the first year, and week after week, I would hear people talk about how terrible the church was. And I wanted to be like, you guys know this is what I do for a living. Like, I wasn't hiding. I wasn't there undercover. And, but they had no problem. They had no problem, like, saying how terrible church was and how terrible student ministry was and how manipulative it all was. And I was like, wow, this is something. And, um, but, but what I found is that, like, is... is is that they, they, they liked me and loved me. They didn't like what they thought church was, was honestly what it was. And, and there was so much damage in their thinking of what the church is that they were never going to walk through the doors again, probably. Maybe, maybe, I don't want to say never, but most of them probably were never going to walk through the doors of what they thought was a church. Nobody was going to trick them in, Not even the coolest music and lights. and vi- Like, they just weren't going to do it um, for a variety of reasons. Um, and I loved that group, and I loved being a part of it, and I loved being able to carry Jesus into that group and to realize that what we were doing was that we were, we were having at least some version of church with people who hated church. Because what is the church except a place where people filled with the Spirit of God go with purpose in the Spirit of God? And that's what we were doing every week when we met was that we were carrying the Spirit of God in there prayerfully and with purpose, and we were engaging people, and the Spirit of God in us was engaging them. And I don't have time, again, to tell you the incredible stories um, and some of the incredibly hard things that have happened um, in that group along the way. 
Um, but, but a big moment for me, again, in this process was recognizing um, that that group was getting too big, too, too big for a home, really, for everybody to come and for their kids to come and for us to manage it without at least half of that looking like Lord of the Flies. And sometimes it was each half. Um, but it was, and, and it was also getting complex in terms of the issues and the problems that people in the group were facing. Um, and and we, we've, we've been patchworking it together as good as we can. And there are some things I'll never do as well as Jen does them. And there are some things I'll never do as well as Tim does them. And same with Jane. But, but one thing I have been given is the ability to care for people pastorally. And I love to do it. And, and I felt the Lord tugging on me. And he said, these people need a pastor. And, and you can't do it with the amount of time that you have available to you. And so, so my hope is to build a church that reaches something that looks like this. I love church, and so I get it, and I love people who love church. And so I want to have a worship gathering that looks and feels like Stonebridge, maybe, but like Stonebridge if it was led by me, right? People have asked, well, what's going to make it different? And usually what I do is I just stand David Eldridge next to me. And I say, you probably know what's going to make it different, right? We're just, we're just different people. Um, Russell had a great metaphor that he said today. He said, you know, you carry a lot from your father's house, but your house is different. You know what I mean? Like you carry a lot of the things, but just by virtue of being your house, it's never exactly the same. And, and so I'm looking forward um, to exploring what building something like that, like that is. And I love that, and I'm super comfortable in that community. I've, I've preached and been part of worshiping communities every week of my life for the better part of 20 years now, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, but I'm also looking forward to this other thing, and I think it's going to be another thing. I don't think it's going to be how do we get these people who hate church to come over to the side of people who love church. What I want to see is how can we build communities for people who hate church? who really hate it, not just people who want a cooler church, if you know what I mean, but people who hate it, like people who aren't going to walk in and listen to three to four songs and listen to somebody from the front open the Bible and go directly at them, that they're just not there. Again, they just, there's a growing population, right? I could cite the statistics. I should have. I should have cited the statistics tonight. I will. You can send me an email. I'll send them to you. Um, but the statistics of the growing number of people, even in our community here, who, who would say, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church, and who would say, it's just not relevant to my life. Like the other things that I do are just relevant to my life. And I would love to see what it would look like to, in a focused way, start to build communities for those people. And my hope is that our small group will sort of serve, trying to scale that in some ways, um, will serve as maybe a first test run at that. And, and to see what we could do if we eliminate the barrier of just the word church for people, but pursue them with the Holy Spirit and help them build healthier relationships and community and even a healthier understanding of God, even if they think they don't believe in him. I hang out with a guy now on a regular basis who doesn't believe in God, but always asks me about what I'm doing in church and wants to be a part of whatever we're going to do. Um, and that, that's, that's the hope with that group. And I think there'll be places where people cross over, and I love that because that's where I live. I live in that crossover space. I was calling that a bridge, but bridge didn't make it in the name. So um, we tried really hard. Uh, but, um, but, but that's what I hope it is. I hope it's a place where, where that city on a hill 
is building bridges, not to get people across to our particular city, but building bridges to get the light and the essence of the city out into other communities of people. So that's the hope. Um, So how does that work? Here's just a short kind of synopsis of what a ministry plan looks like, because I'm running up on it um, in terms of time. Uh, Our leadership team, the admin team here at the church asked me uh, to come up with a ministry plan. And then I was also cautioned by church planners that I spoke with uh, to make sure that I put as little in pen as possible, honestly, because they said that they said the ground changes. One guy said, I wish I'd waited a year to come up with our name. But I didn't figure anybody would want to come to the thing we're going to do and name in a year. So I decided not to call it that. Um, but, uh, but, but here's a basic idea of how um, I think the Lord is calling us as a team to accomplish that. First is that I, we're going to be a church of the community. And, and that's that family of God value. And that's the gathering. That's, that's the people who already are like, yeah, I'm in. I, I love Jesus. I want to grow I, relational discipleship the way that you're talking about it and this family of God things, those things speak specifically to my heart. That language speaks to my heart and I want to be a part of that where we gather those people in together and we do that. And we do that. Um, There's there's a book called The Celtic Way of Evangelism um, that I've been reading in in this process and it talks about how St. Patrick really reached Ireland. And one of the things they did was they established these things they called them monastic communities. And they were a base from which they sent out missionaries to contextualize church for other people. And they didn't bring people back in once they contextualized church. They just built a church and they said, cool, you guys run that church. We're going to go back to the monastic community and we're going to find our resources and our, and our help and our encouragement there so that we can go back out. And, and so I see that. I see that um, as the church of the community Uh, for us. Um, And there'll be some interesting elements of that where the church of the community um, may do some non-traditional things and some experimental things because that's just kind of my personality um, related to that. But but I'm really looking forward to that and seeing what we can do um, in that aspect. The second thing is this, a church to the community. Um, And for me, that's relational discipleship. It's funny, that's the one that I think will be the easiest for me to do, but the hardest for me to describe to you because it's just what I do. Um, And and the best way I can describe it to you is that um, I've never thought of myself since I've been here. Maybe this has been to my um, to my detriment at times, but I've never just thought of myself as the Stonebridge Church student pastor. I thought of myself as Marietta's student ministry pastor. And so I go after students and I don't count how many times they come in the door. It just matters that they're in the reach of where I live. It's kind of like how we reach out to Park Street. And so I know and interact regularly with students and go to their things and pray with them and check on them. And they've never once um, walked in these doors to, to pastor that. And, and so for me, that's the church to the community. It means spending time with businesses and business leaders, school and civic leaders, and, and just, just people in general purposefully in the community, knowing that they're not going to come back through the doors probably and not looking for that as your return. But instead thinking, if God was going to help you, what would you want him to do? And trying to answer that question the best way possible for those people in the community. And I have some specifics around that that I'd be glad to share with you, but I don't, I don't want to get lost in the minutia of that right now. And then finally, it's a church building community. And that's this uh, seeing if this small group scales, which is, which is that I would love for us to be a church that builds community for people in a way that allows them to, to become the church 
before they have to be okay with becoming the church, if that makes sense, right? Like the idea of saying to people, let's start to gather together. Let's start to bring the Holy Spirit into these gatherings and not say you have to believe everything I believe or you have to do everything I do or even I have to have the final word in the conversation. But let's start getting together and, and be, because the image of God in people, I've seen this, for the majority of people, causes them to value godly things somewhere deep within them. And sometimes you got to dig deep, y'all. But somewhere deep within them. I can find it in a sixth grader, man. I can find it in a guy who calls himself an atheist in Marietta. That the image of God causes people to value godly things. And let's gather around that and let's bring the spirit of God into that and start to fan the flame for some of these people that don't want to walk in a church. And then let's see what happens. Let's see if they can lead their own communities and then we'll go do it somewhere else. And, and the dream, again, is not to get a bunch of people into the door, but to see how many communities we can have that are worshiping the Lord um, in, in the midst of wherever they're at. So, so that's that um, in terms of the heart of what I believe we're going to do. Um, the last thing uh, that um, I was encouraged to share with you guys is our leadership team members. And so that's going to come up, right, maybe? Yeah, and so that's us. Um, that's me and Jane. Uh, some of you guys know some of those people, uh, Maggie and Alan Bowling, Rodney and Elizabeth Sloan, Travis and Olivia Smith, and then I think only Jen and Tim are here tonight, right? Yeah, so, and there's Jen and Tim. So that's us. How'd I do? Is that good? Oh, I knew I was going to forget it. Um, so what is next um, is a really good question, um, and I'm going to do my best to answer it. Uh, so for, for us as a group, next steps in November and December will probably be a lot um, of internal things that we have to do now that we've been approved by the network in terms of establishing ourselves as a 501c3, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we will start speaking and looking towards a date to invite people to a, to a more specific information meeting if, it's, if the church interests you, and that's probably going to be in February. Um, I'm sure the church will be able to let people know um, when that happens uh, with the hopes for beginning to meet with a core team of people, and David may speak to this, um, around late February, early March to start meeting with people who are like, yeah, this is something we want to go um, explore uh, with y'all with the hope, again, of launching um, as our own church fully um, in August of 2019. But I will say this. Um, if, some, if God is stirring something in your heart, I love to talk about this. Um, I love it. And so if you want to email me, um, I'm dscott at stonebridgemarietta.org. If you want to catch me tonight, um, you're welcome to do that. Um, and you're just like, hey, I just want to talk more. Don't worry, I, I'm, not, I'm not signing you up. Um, it's just a chance if you want to talk more about this or if you have thoughts about it. Um, I'd love to hear those too because um, I like to collaborate. So. That's great. Thanks so much for sharing all that. So again, um, if you want to connect with David, with Jane, Tim, with Jen, they're all here. If you want to find out a little bit more about Highlands. So a couple of things, maybe zoom out, kind of macro level. So um, there's three steps in our process for planting a church. First is building relationships. David's been here for seven years, and so um, that's good. He's in that second phase, gathering a core team. So the hope would be over the next four, five, six months that he and his leadership group would 
grow to at least 30 adults, maybe 50. We started with 30. That was probably a little on the low end. Um, Some of the other churches have started with 50 or 60 people, and that seems to be a bit more helpful. We don't have a hard number as a network that we're looking to as a cutoff. But ideally, it's, a, it's, a, it's enough of a nucleus of, a, of people who are committed for a long enough period of time to say, we're going we're gonna to be the foundation for this church, and we're going to help get this thing off the ground. So again, that's at least 30 adults and, and maybe more, hopefully, whoever he wants out of any of our churches um, to come and be a part of what he's doing. And again, we don't, there's no timeline on that. We want the Lord to build the church, not David to build the church. So however God draws people to this group, um, we'll just we'll celebrate that, and, and and so some of you will be a part of that. I don't know how many, and I don't know who, but some of you will be a part of his core team. And the Lord will. You may not. You may be sitting here now and thinking, "No way!" But I want you to pray, and I want you to ask the Lord: Is this? Would you have me go with Highlands? Is this something that you want me to be a part of? And some of you were, are already excited, and you need to move in that direction as well and begin that conversation with David and and his leadership team. So for the next, will you go back please? So for the next however long, the hope would be that he can launch in August. That's what we'll plan on. But again, we don't have, we don't set deadlines as a network. We want to, we want again, the Lord to build the church and whatever that looks like, if it's whatever that looks like, we're on board with that. And then, again, hopefully in August, they'll launch publicly uh, as a church. What does that look like? That's up to them and what they want it to look like. They may get one of those, I don't know, one of those men that you do the thing with. Whatever they want to do, that's what they're going to do. And, uh, and, and at that point, David moves from being a church planter to being the, in our network's eyes, he moves from being a church planter to being the pastor of Highlands, and there's some connect. There's uh, and and their church would be on the same level as the rest of our churches, as exclusive as that company is. So, um, what you can be doing for Highlands, I would say, pray, ask the Lord to build the church, and you need to ask specifically. And I would encourage you to do so. God, is this something you want me to be a part of? Um, then I would say look for opportunities to encourage them. There's some things that are really exciting about starting a church, and there's some things that can be disheartening. And so I would encourage you um, to encourage them when you have an opportunity uh, to do that. And then for Stonebridge, so David obviously is a a huge part of our staff. He's been um, our only student pastor. He's been our student pastor. It'll be seven years coming up in April or May and and so that's, that's big shoes to fill. It's a big hole for us. And so you can pray for us uh, as we begin the process of finding somebody to take the baton from David. You may have seen Maggie Bowling's name up on the screen. She leads our elementary school kids, and she's going to go and help with children at Highlands. And so we're going to need to find somebody to step in there as well. And those are, those are significant roles for us, and you're dealing with kids and all of the things that are associated with change in the life of a kid. And so you can just be praying. Neither David nor Maggie is going to leave Stonebridge high and dry. They're not leaving tomorrow. We've got a, a plenty of time uh, to, to bring some people in. We've got, my hope would be 
some overlap, particularly with David, where there would be some time where he would still be able to give to our student ministry with somebody new, and he could pass on some of the some of the um, institutional knowledge, for lack of a better word, the relationships that he has, that handoff could be smooth. Um, if it helps just in terms of um, comfort level for you, I have a kid in the fourth grade and in the eighth grade and in the twelfth grade, so I'm invested not just as a pastor but as a parent. And again, neither David nor Maggie is, they're not, nobody's cutting and running. They're committed to helping transition in a healthy way of both our students and our children. I don't have any details other than we'll start looking and you'll hear about that. Um, You can pray for David and Maggie. Not super easy to try to live in two worlds, which is what they're going to be doing for the next several months as he's wearing the student pastor hat and wearing a church planter hat. So you can pray for them. You can pray for their families as those that, that can be a bit of a burden at times. And then for us as a church, we've never done this and we want to do it well. Uh, some metaphors that people use with church planting is parent and child. That breaks down at some point, but it, it, it can work on some level. And the thing I would want you to hear is in a parent-child relationship, if there's a sacrifice, the parent makes it. And so as we move forward, if there's going to be a sacrifice, Stonebridge is going to make it. We're not going to ask Highlands to make it. And so whatever that looks like for us, we want to send them out well financially, We want to send them out with a strong group of people. If you hate Stonebridge, don't necessarily go to Highlands because your heart's going to go with you. So you can get healed and then go to Highlands, and then you can actually be a benefit to him. So we, we want to send them well. We want to send them with people who are committed. We want to Send them with money. We want, if we can create space for them, visit, whatever it looks like for us to send them well, that's what we want to do. And so you can pray because we don't know how to do that. We've never done that before. And so you can be praying that we would know how to do that. And when I say we, that's all of us knowing how to do that. It may be that for some of you, there, there are going to be some leadership spots that open up and you stepping into those that may help somebody transition into Highlands if they know they can hand off their current volunteer responsibilities at Stonebridge. That may be what it looks like for you. I I don't know. Um, But we're committed to trying to do this together. Uh, He started talking some about Marietta. And just to be clear, they're staying, right? They're staying in Marietta, and that's good with everybody. And so there's no competition. Um, I'm thrilled. I've been praying for more churches that are like-minded in our city, and I see this as an answer to prayer. Tim and Jen live up the street from us, and so we're, we're great with all of this happening where, next door if it needs to happen next door. Again, we're not, we're not competing for the same people, and if you shift towards Highlands, like you don't apologize to me. That you, you don't, there's nothing to be sorry for. We're, I want you to go. We're thrilled, and again, whatever we can do to help them launch, those are the things that we want to do. Does anybody have any questions for me or for David Scott about any of this? Wow. That's good. That's probably so. Lots of texting, I think. Maybe you were posting. Were you post? I don't know what you were doing. So if you don't have any questions, yes, we have one. 
Yeah. Chris. Yeah. Um, no is the answer. Uh, lately, I've kind of felt like Abram when God said, just go. Like, I, I know what I want to do with you, but you go and you'll find it. Um, for me, so if you look at the kind of two circles that I talked about, uh, I am not, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't have a ton of strong opinions about where the worship gathering meets. I, I'd like it to be in Marietta because I, I feel called to these people in this community. Um, but I think that for that, what you're doing is you're getting people um, that are already inclined to want to go to church to go to church. And so they'll go um, where it is. Uh, the, the other piece, which right now I'm calling a gathering, um, the gathering piece for me, it matters more that it's somewhere that doesn't feel like a church and that people would go to anyway. Um, and so geographically for that, um, I, I'm, I'm looking around the square. I'm not married to it. Um, but I'm looking around it in terms of even talking to businesses or restaurants on nights that they're not open or things like that or nights that they could do a small menu and give us space um, to do some of that. That's a bigger deal to me in terms of where I think of my yes and my no would come down um, in my heart because I think it, we're not, again, it's the, the idea it needs to not feel like a church for the people that have such a bad experience with it. So I hope that helps. But somewhere in the city, for sure, I don't want to move um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's a good question. Yeah, I wasn't super specific about it, but I'm going to stay on um, in the student ministry pastor role, um, at least in some capacity, we think, through uh, the end of our summer camp, which is a big thing for us, and then ultimately through August 1st to help transition um, in any way. And again, all that's kind of in pencil, but yeah, that's the plan. Anything else? All right. Thanks. Cool. So, um, I'm going to pray. Oh, Sarah wants everybody to clap. <laughs> Perfect. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, I'm going to pray, and you are free to go. These people will be at these tables uh, for a few more minutes if you want to touch base with them. Maybe if the Scots and the Willises could stay at this table here um, if you want to touch base with them. Um, if you brought a take-home dish, please take it home. Um, we don't have any space for it, so if you wouldn't mind... Uh, making sure you grab that, and if there's still food, help yourself make it to go plate uh, if you want that. Is that good? Anything else? And in terms of, we're going to leave all this because we're doing it again on Wednesday, so no, no need to uh, do anything with the chairs or the tables. We'll, uh, we'll take care of the trash. So again, just thank you all so much. For being here, I'll say a prayer. Y'all mingle with these ministry leaders, and then you're free to go. Yes, Dennis. Oh, yeah. Um, that's what we call a teaser. So that won't be until December 2nd. But here are the three things. Kim um, jumped the gun. We're going to get, we do, uh, every year we give our Christmas Eve offering away. This year we're uh, three places. One is Deep Roots, which is an account here at Stonebridge that we use to fund church planting and our internship. Uh, Kelsey's one of our interns. Uh, uh, 
Park Street. Uh, we're going to fund some reading libraries for them. So more than 80% of their kids are below grade level in reading, third, fourth, and fifth grade. It's not great. And I talked to the principal, and there's some research that says one of the best things you can do to help a kid with their reading is to give them age-appropriate books. It helps them read, and it helps increase their interest in reading. And so we're going to try to fund some of those libraries. They're, they're expensive. It's about $5,000 a classroom, so we're doing... We're just going to do what we can. I think they're going to maybe do some. She's sending a proposal. I think we're going to do some starter libraries so they can space them out across several classes. But I don't know. I'm not positive on that. Um, she was having a reading specialist look into it. And then we'll also give money to our long-term missionaries. Michael Mosley is one of them uh, right here. We have about 12 long-term missionaries who consider Stonebridge their home church. And we love to give all of them a Christmas present. So those three things, Deep Roots. Park Street, reading libraries, and our long-term missionaries is where our Christmas Eve offering will go. Anything else? That's a good question. All right, I'll say a prayer. God, we're so thankful for the ways you're working in our city. We're thankful for Dwell. We're thankful for the table. We're thankful for the people who are working at Park Street and in Act 6. We thank you for people who every day are living their lives as missionaries. And God, we're so thankful for this new church that's uh, being formed um, Highlands, and we do want to pray that you would bless that uh, during these early days, that you would speak very clearly to them. I pray that they would keep in step with your spirit. I pray that you would be stirring the hearts of people in this room and in this church and in surrounding churches to connect. God, I also pray that you would give them favor with people who don't like church and that those relationships would, would grow and, and would be strengthened and uh, God, that you would use this church to reach people who at this point, uh, they don't know you, and they may not even like you. And so, God, we're asking that this church uh, would be a blessing to our city. God, I pray at Stonebridge that you would help us know how to send Highlands well. I pray, God, that you would help us on a, on a continuing basis to know how to support the table and dwell in Act 6 and Park Street and how to be... Um, yeah, how to support these people who are engaging in ministry on a regular basis. God, I thank you for those who are here tonight. I pray your blessings upon them. I pray you would speak clearly to them about what obedience to you looks like in regard to all of these ministries, if, if, if there's one that you would have them graft into. In Jesus' name, amen.